Welcome to another special bonus episode of Let's Talk Pokemon, the podcast where we talk anything and everything Pokemon. But in this episode, we will be focusing on one topic, and that will be the Pokemon Sword and Shield games for the Nintendo Switch. Um, but before I go any further, I am not alone in this endeavor because I am joined once again by my buddy, none other than Austin Squirtle Squad 47. Austin, how you doing, man? You know, I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? Well, uh, hanging in there. Uh, you know, school summer break is just around the corner, so I, I'm going to enjoy it a lot more once that happens, that's for sure. Almost there. Almost there. Uh, and then I'll be playing lots more Pokemon. Yeah, buddy. We got Pokemon Snap coming next month. Yeah. I just realized that. It's one more one month away. I get my pre-order in for that. Do you do you know where you're going to pre-order it? Do you know where the bonuses are? I didn't realize there's bonuses, so... Well, I mean, they're like little mini trinket stuff. So, mm. like, if you pre-order from GameStop, you get, like, a two-sided poster. I don't know if you remember they did the same thing for Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee. There was a two-sided poster for it. Where one side was the Kanto map, the other side was like uh, Ash on Charizard or Red on Charizard or something like that. I was not. I <laughs> tend to avoid GameStop at all costs. Ah, so, gotcha. That's it's reasonable. <laughs> uh, the other only other bonus that I know of is that uh, at Target you get a frame, like a little mini frame, <laughs> with your pre-order. So I, I don't know if that. Actually, I don't know if that's just an online thing only or if it's in store, but I just I remember seeing it on the Target website. So I'll have to look at that. Then it would probably be Target. Um, I know I'm getting two copies of the game. I think I pre-ordered mine from Best Buy because I had a gift card. But then obviously that I want a sealed copy, and then I want obviously one to play. So I guess I'll have to go for the Target one. Yeah, I don't know. I have to figure that one out. But all right, let's let's focus here on our, our main topic like i said we are going to be talking about the pokemon sword and shield games the reason for this is because the pokemon 25th anniversary uh year-long celebration is doing a is focusing on a region each month and so they're going through all eight regions starting with galar for the month of march uh then they continue with uh, alola for april which i think those partner packs the cards come out april 2nd um kalos is in may unova is in june Sinnoh july hoenn august johto september and then kanto october which now looking back on it that's conveniently leading right up to the diamond pearl remakes mm -hmm. so i guess that makes sense um and so i just figured it'd be fun for the podcast just to kind of do a bonus episode each month where we kind of look back on the games for that particular region. Um, so the idea was we would do a full gameplay, like uh, like me and Austin were going to do, like just play the whole game from beginning to end, um, just to kind of, kind of refresh our thoughts on it. Unfortunately, with this one, adult life gets in the way, and we did not finish our full uh, walkthrough of the game. I was supposed to play Shield, which I got halfway there. Austin, you said that you, you were supposed to play Sword, and you only got a few badges in. Correct. Um, but I figured it's still fresh in our minds. I mean, it's it just came out, what, like a year and a half ago? Um, two, two years? A year and a half. It was at November 15th, and it would have been 2019, because it came out on our 2019, came out yeah. on my and my wife's anniversary. Okay. 
Yeah, so um, it's still fresh in our minds. I still play it more than I think any other Pokemon game, just because mm-hmm. of the wild area stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, how often do you still play Pokemon Sword and Shield? A couple times a week, I'll get on um, kind of before bed and do either... Uh, I'm doing like a soft shiny hunt for uh, Tyrant slash okay. Tyrantrum, so I'm just going to the wild area spawns and the crown tundra and just hitting a few of those or i'll do one or two dynamax adventures so super like side tangent whatever you want to call it just because you brought up tyrant i don't the crown tundra dlc seeing tyrantrum right that's the evolved form right the the second okay seeing tyrantrum in the wild is so much cooler than i thought i yeah i really like the the fossil Pokemon running around in the Crown Tundra. It kind of seemed like its own little mini Jurassic Park in a way. Because I really like that... What was that? Generation 6? Was... I don't remember the fossil Pokemon. Tyrant Tyrant and uh, Aurora... The Longneck one. The Ice Rock. Uh, Aurora. Yes, I think. Aurorus, Google, yeah, Aurorus, uh, yeah, they were Gen yeah. Gen Six was Tyrantrum and Aurorus. They're my favorite fossil pair. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if I've ever thought back on that, huh? I I, I might revisit this when we talk about the fossils for for Sword and Shield. But um, so anyway for the listeners sake we're kind of doing like our own little mini review on this like it's obviously not official it's not like you know we have a a script per se we're just going to have an open discussion about the games how do we feel about them what were our favorite parts our least favorite parts what we want to see improving all basically like any other conversation you would have with with a buddy about these games and um, because we do have the diamond pro remakes coming up we do have arceus coming up and these seem like well at least arceus seems like a very kind of departure from traditional style of Pokemon games, but uh, regardless, we'll, we'll focus on Galar, and then each month you can expect a bonus episode from here, um, and hopefully Austin is going to continue on for the ride for this one, all the way through Kanto. Uh, what, what do you? Yeah, I think I would need to find some copy of Gen 3 games. Because I do not own those, but I have copies to be able to play back every other generation. We'll figure it out as yeah. we go. So let's go ahead and start talking about Sword and Shield. And I figured we would address probably the biggest elephant in the room for this because when Caparaja? the announcement for <laughs> yeah, actually exactly <laughs> uh, that that does work. the The biggest Caparaja in the room uh, for this game, which when the the game was announced, I. My initial perception is there was a lot of hype to this, right? Mm-hmm. There is This was the newest game. We've been itching for this game after Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. We know this was the first game, kind of, well, everyone's mentality of the first official main series game on the Nintendo Switch, and we wanted to see something great out of this. But then after that announcement, this was during E3, I believe, where uh, Junichi Masuda had mentioned in a interview that this will not have all of the Pokemon um, in the national Pokedex. It won't have a national Pokedex at all. And it sparked a huge controversy um, that started a whole 
campaign of hashtag uh, national decks. Was it? Was it just hashtag national decks or bring back national decks? Oh. Bring back. Yeah, it was, and then like hashtag bring back megas and hashtag blah blah blah, all this other stuff. So let's let's just briefly kind of talk about that um, because that is like the biggest division between the community when it comes to this game is that it didn't have all eight hundred and ninety eight Pokemon. Um, I think the original Galar Pokedex was only four hundred, mm-hmm. and then they added what two hundred or like a hundred each DLC. Yeah, so in total we got somewhere like around probably 700, give or take, um, for the entire Sword and Shield games. So, the National Decks controversy. Austin, where where do you stand when it comes to the National Decks? Nah, I don't care. I've never brought Pokemon up from previous games. Um, this Sword and Shield is the first time I've move Pokemon from a previous generation into the current one. And I just, it doesn't, there's so many Pokemon that I will never use. And I understand, well, there are like two or three that I can't specifically call right now that I refuse to believe is someone's favorite Pokemon, but also (laughs) every Pokemon is someone's favorite Pokemon. But like, I don't, there's so many games where you'd have to jump through hoops to get like a Squirtle in the game. So I just learned to accept not always playing with the Squirtle Pokemon in my games. And I was okay with that because then I grew to like other Pokemon because I was forced to use them by the, being limited from not being able to use the same ones I always wanted to use. And so... To me, it wasn't a big deal. And for me, the new games are about the new Pokemon. And it's like, cool, I want to use, you know, either, even if it's just like Galarian Ponyta or Galarian Weezing instead of like normal Weezing. Or, you know, I want to check out um, like Phalanx instead of just using like uh, Machamp for the hundredth time. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where I stand. It just, it doesn't. It didn't affect me at all, and I got real tired of, and still am real tired whenever I see people complaining about it. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I didn't care at first. I was. I didn't think that of a big deal. Like when I first heard that, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's just every Pokemon game. There's they never give you all like all the access to all the Pokemon right off the bat anyway. Mm-hmm. And plus, the whole point of playing a new region, just like you said, is to enjoy experiencing using those new pokemon that you encounter right because instead of using zubat for the entire time at least what in gen 5 we got the woobat not everyone's favorite pokemon i'm sure but woobat at least was a different experience than than having to play zubat all over again so when when i started seeing the whole controversy behind i was like why are people this upset like and and I had the in my back of my head because I think someone asked me that question, like, well, how would you feel if Squirtle was cut out of the game? And I was like, mm, okay, that hurts. It does. But is it the end all be all? No, because I mean, I don't, I, I don't ever start with Squirtle every single game. That's not a, a possible thing. I remember when I played X and Y and you were given a second mm-hmm. starter. Do you remember that yeah. where you can get like a another char like a Charmander Bulbasaur or a Squirtle? I was like, oh sweet, this is awesome! I get to play a Squirtle. Mm-hmm. This is cool. But 
Um, you know, it's not like an expectation I have every single generation where I get that evolutionary line. Sometimes I have to understand, hey, I, that Pokemon may not be there. And that makes sense because if it's a new region, right, you don't, in in the real world, you don't go to Russia and maybe expect to see a lion or a giraffe. Like, it's a different country. It's a different continent. Uh, yeah, it's a different continent altogether. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to see a new set of wildlife there. And that's how I kind of see Pokemon. It's like you're in a new region, new area, new beginnings. Like you're supposed to experience new things and not have the same thing over again. Do I get the upset behind it? Yeah, I do. And it's okay to be upset. I just hated seeing the the hate and the like the pitchforks going after Game Freak about this. And I think the one thing that peeved me off the most was that Junichi Masuda was tweeting about like a, a wedding he attended or something about like his his friend's wedding or something, and yet all the replies that he got was still about the the national dex controversy. I'm like, can you just leave the yeah. guy alone? Like, let him live his and life. Like, just get over I, it. I will say, when I said I'm tired of it, I want to be clear that people are completely valid to be upset by it. Like, if you want all your Pokemon in your game, that's understandable, and I'm not going to say you're wrong for being upset. Um, but you don't have to hashtag bring back the national decks on any and every Pokemon tweet. And I know some of the, I don't want, I can't think of the, I don't want to say malice, but some of the, the anger was directed that people were given excuses. They didn't feel were adequate for things like, working on the models and to for the graphics and there's the whole wild area tree thing and stuff like that and it's just like yeah it's saying these things that clearly didn't seem to have an effect on the national decks and then being told that's why would be upsetting but like also they don't have to give you a reason if the director of the game is just like I don't want to me, the one reason that seemed at the core and true is they wanted to balance competitive around these handful of Pokemon, which is why there's a lot of moves that you can't bring up from previous generations is trying to balance competitive Pokemon. And I think that's the first time they've considered VGC when designing games at all, really. Because, I mean, if they considered VGC, then... Um, Landorus wouldn't have been so dominant as it was. Yeah. So it's just, again, like people are like, well, why not? And they look for excuses and like, they weren't going to be happy with any answer. But honestly, I think the most valid answer is just, they didn't want all 800 and whatever Pokemon in the game. And I think that's perfectly fine. And I think this also came during a, I mean, <clears throat> I think this was like the start of it, not necessarily Game Freak starting it, but we did, have, I think we did have a conversation last time, me and you on, on the episode where we said the developers of video games, like it's hard to trust developers nowadays. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, they, they present something so great again, using Fallout 76 as an example, you know, they hype it up to be like this most, you know, best selling game you'll ever see. But then when the final results come in, it's just like, what happened? Like, you, you promised us this, and then we yeah. got nothing. And, and I think, you know, that kind of got put into the toss-up where Nintendo's always been known to put out reliable games. And Pokemon, I, 
I know people dislike certain generations and whatnot, but still, like, it still mm-hmm. sells well. And Pokemon still continues to be like a a main staple of any like Nintendo user. Like, you know, the fans are always going to buy the games. Um, and so I think like Game Freak just happened to get caught up in that mix and and to see something that's so impactful to someone's childhood to hear that they're not going to get everything that they would have expected. I think just kind of snowballed and and kind of got out of hand and and people just because people are so frustrated and upset, they just went yeah. with it. So it just kind of sucks that that happened. Um, but I mean, it didn't stop anyone from buying it. Uh, 20 million copies sold became the best selling Pokemon game since gold yeah. and silver. Um, so that puts it in rank three, right? It's the third, it's the third highest selling game. Pokemon uh, game. Is that correct? Beating. Red and blue, jo- gold and silver. Yeah. Oof, it would have been, I, gotta, I mean, I don't, I don't think anything's ever catching. Red or blue? Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Either, but I mean, millions of it's. It's good that it got this bit of an increase. I mean, there's a lot of attention on Pokemon now, especially more than ever. So, I mean, I think these games are worth it. For so, overall opinion, I I really love this game. Like, I think it, it is probably one of my top five favorite Pokemon games that has ever been created. I love the style to it. Um, I love the the battling. I I I didn't think I was gonna like Dynamax. Like I when I first saw it in a trailer, I was like, "Oh, this is super gimmicky." Like I know they have uh-huh. a gimmick in every game, but this just feels very tacky. But then when I started using, it, I was like, "This is actually pretty cool." And I think what helped was the way they did gyms. Was that it's more very much more of a sports event rather than you just entering a building and battling the leader of 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 that gym. And and so the whole atmosphere behind everything you do in the game just kind of helped. The wild area was awesome. Um, yeah, of course, graphically, meh, there's some rough spots here and there. Um, I know my first experience, there was a lot of um, frame dropping. Uh, it was kind of laggy and slow a little bit. Um, but, I mean, you also had, like, a whole bunch of people going on at the same time. So I was like, eh, I'm going to look past this and just see what happens. If, like, if it continues to happen... Then I guess that's an issue, but it seems smooth to me now. Um, and just the everything, I don't know, the characters are just much more interesting. I like this rival more than I've liked any other rival in any other game. Um, this one, st- Hop, stands out to me more than um, Howl or... Um, I can't remember the other rivals. Just Blue and How are the only ones that come to mind. I, other ones, I just kind of uh, leaves my leaves my the head. The only other so one, Hop I, just kind of stands out. Or I guess um, there's Silver and uh, Hugo from Black and White Two. The there. I don't even remember Hugo. There, That's a weird I think name. it's Hugo. <laughs> um, they they stand out to me. I couldn't tell you your rival names in um, any of the other games. I mean, uh, Howe and Hop. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember any of the people of the rivals in Gen 6. Yeah, so for me, the characters in this game just stand out more, and I cared more about these characters than I do anything else. And I think Hop has a really good arc in that mm-hmm. in the game, especially if you definitely pay attention yeah. to his dialogue. It's not just like any other rival. So 
Um, I I love I love Pokemon Sword and Shield. Sword was the one I played through the most. That's my main copy. And as I mentioned, I'm working on Shield right now just to have a, a backup, you know, because I don't have a, Zam- a Zamazenta mm-hmm. that I own. So uh, it'd be nice to have those. I can put them into Pokemon Home to complete my Pokedex in there. But that's that's my overall take. Um, Austin, how do you I, feel about the games? Well, I was all on board on Dynamax when I first saw it. Because when we first saw it, I'm like, that's really cool. And then I got more on board when we learned about Gigantamax. Because I saw Gigantamax Alchemy. And I was like, I bow to our cake overlord um, <laughs> as soon as I saw it. I I think the thing that I like, the, the story is nothing super special. Um, but I like Hop. I like Leon a lot. I think Leon's probably my favorite champion. Um, and I think probably partly because he does things like actually does something and my favorite subtle thing this story does is um every other game it's like you're a 10 or to 15 year old and you're like i it just Mm -hmm. kind of be like the adults going hey save the world but there's the moment there's a couple moments in this where they're like things are happening and like chairman rose and leon and um the professor will be like, hey, we've got this. You go continue being a kid on your Pokemon journey. And, like, you keep stumbling into things, and eventually, like, Leon gets defeated mm-hmm. and you have to step up. But, it, like, they feel like that's how it would really happen. Like, you would just have a 10-year-old be like, hey, you kid, go save the world. You'd be like, no, like, things are weird, but we've got this under control. Don't worry, kids. Like, continue being kids and then they finally have to step up. I think that's one of my favorite things about the story. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't even think about that until you just pointed that out. Like, yeah, I, that's true. I, I do remember those moments in the game and that is nice to remember that. Yeah. In the game, you are just still a kid. Yeah, Cause there's one part where um, like hop just like shows you like a news story. Be like, look, Leon fought this giant Dynamax something or another. And, like brought it down and it's like again it's like stuff plot is happening while you are not present unlike pretty much every other pokemon game before and i i liked that i liked i've always wanted a game that you just play through and there's no evil team there's no end of the world doomsday villain just like a really solid villain, really solid gym bleed, like almost like almost like the anime. Like, sure, Ash will run into Team Rocket, but like they're almost just as much of rivals as like Gary is. Like they're not like there's the looming of Giovanni, but Ash isn't like thwarting Giovanni's plans through the whole series, like the whole first season. He's just a kid trying to get to the Pokemon League, and that's his arc. And he just happens to bump into Jesse and James. But if you cut Jesse and James, Ash's story doesn't really change. You cut the evil team out of any other Pokemon game, except, well, I guess Sword and Shield, because Yell's not an evil team. But every other game, you cut the evil team out, the story's completely different or non-existent. So was... 
so where does this fit into your like you know ranking of Pokemon games as much as i said i don't remember the rivals of gen 6 i found that the even generations tend to be my favorite and this falls into that thing i really like gens 2 4 6 and now 8 those tend to be my favorite ones um in the grand scheme of rankings, I'd probably put it like third. Yeah, that seems about right. It's yeah. still in the top five. Yeah, I know. Like I know critically, and we'll get to it later. That Gen Two is not good. Um, but I... the it, nothing. No logic and critical analysis will overpower my nostalgia for Gen 2. <laughs> and so it. I think my top three are, is 2, 4, 8 for Generation. So yeah, I would put Sword solidly in third. Okay. Uh, you started with Pokemon Sword or Pokemon Shield? What was your... Shield. What, what, I was, what is your I was Protect Doggo all the shield? way. So out of the two legendaries, your favorite one was yes. Zamazenta. I, I like both. I, I like Zacian and Zamazenta. I like the lore about the little bit of lore we find about them. But I was, um, I like, I like playing the the, the big body meat shield and, slash tank in <laughs> all the my role playing games. So I had an affinity for for Protect Dog. I like both. I don't something about the Zamazenta design just kind of throws me off a little bit. I think it's like the side of the shield where it doesn't look like it's fully attached. Maybe I'm thinking it wrong, but it just I don't know. It's like it's got like a weird angle to it where I'm just like, I don't know how I feel about this one. But I think I gravitate more towards um Zashian because it does when I first saw it, I was like, that is exactly the dog from um Dark mm. Souls. Yeah, uh, I forgot already the the name of it, but it just reminded me exactly of that. I'm like, yeah, I kind of like this boss battle, so yeah, I like this one more. So Zashin, I think, was uh, yeah, definitely fit more of my uh, my liking. See, when than, I first saw them, I thought they did. both looked like Zoids. So, uh, Zamazenta more. So yeah, than, but you take the sword Zashin, out of Zashin's mouth when he's transformed with those like wing, like. Uh, swoops behind him, he 100% looks like a, a Zoid. <laughs> so, since we're talking about the Pokemon, let's let's talk about overall, well, this will be our first kind of dig into the uh, depths of Sword and Shield here, the Galar Pokemon. So, the original Pokedex consisted of 400 um, Pokemon. That was a mix, of course, between mm -hmm. all, or across all the generations. After that, the DLCs did not add any more new Galar Pokemon, which was a little disappointing, but still... Um, they were just all Pokemon from previous generations. So if we're looking at just the first 400, um, and let's just focus on the new Pokemon of the Galar region, what do you think about the overall designs? Do you have a favorite one? Do you have a least favorite one? Um, what are your thoughts on the, um, on the Galar Pokemon? Well, I will um, protect Sobble with my life and harm anyone who tries to harm <laughs> him. Uh so, I like all the starters. Um, I like their their themes. I like their designs. At first, when I first 
plate saw them. I was not a fan of Score Bunny Reboot and Cinderace. But playing okay. with Sobble meant that Hop would get Score Bunny. And for some reason, seeing mm. them, that line grow with Hop, got me to be like, okay, like they're not. I, I don't dislike them anymore. Um, I'm. I know some people didn't like how Sobble's line went. Um, Drizile, I, I think. I don't know. I wouldn't say he's my favorite middle evolution ever, but I, I think it's logical that the the crying little um, chameleon salamander would turn into an emo. I think is very fitting. Yeah, I like the color scheme mm-hmm. of Drizzle though. Something about like it's almost yeah, neon. The purple with the green accent. Yeah, I really like the colors. Yeah, I and then. Yeah. Uh, of course, like the emo kid would get confidence and be the cool secret agent at the end. I, I like Inteleon a lot. Um, I actually think, though, my favorite third evolution is Rillaboom. Yeah, Garuki kind of grew on me. Because, um, okay, so out of the three starters, Sabo, of course, I'm always biased towards water. So Sabo, I'm going to, you know, 100% best starter of the of the Gala region. Um, I really like Score Bunny's playful attitude. And, and Garuki just looks adorable, I think, with the little stick. He's just, be, you know, just having a good old time. But their, their middle evolutions, I would say probably Raboot is my favorite of the three middle evolutions. He just looks more ninja-like to me, even though that may not be what the style they were going for. Um, it just seems much cooler, I guess. Uh, but I don't like Cinderace. I, something about these weird ears of his and wearing trousers, like it's just it's a really weird design for me. Um, and Rillaboom... I because I I did a my first surprise trade in Sword and Shield. I actually got a Grookey, oh, which nice. I thought was really cool, and it was super early on in, in in the beginning of the game. So I was like, "Oh, cool! I'm just gonna keep this one on my team." And Ugh. I don't like Thwacky, but I really do like Rillaboom a lot. Um, oh, uh, you're a fan of Thwacky. like overall design. Thwacky isn't like the best middle evolution, but Thwacky the name is the best. Pokemon name. I, <laughs> one of the best Pokemon names. That's that's, that's like if you leave it up to a it is, to name a Pokemon. It is just, <laughs> to me, it is Chef's Kiss. Perfect. Because all of them are kind of punny. All the middle evolution names. I mean, they're, they're, they're the yeah. middle and they're all kind of punny. But like, the middle and final evolutions are like really like Punny play on words, and but thwacky man just because of it's just it's so good. I I love that for Inteleon. I do like what we got for for Sable. I do like the final evolution. I did kind of jump on board that little bit of a hype train where we where there was a lot of rumors and speculation mm-hmm. that we were going to get a water dragon final evolution, which would have been awesome, but. I'm not complete. I'm like I'm not disappointed by what we got. Like I knew the water dragon thing was like very. I don't know. Just very. It, we got Palkia for that, and and I don't think they want to give us something that powerful already to start off with. So, you know, I, it made sense for them to do mono 
uh, monotype starters. And so it, Inteleon's still cool in my book. His Gigantamax form is pretty sweet. The fact that they gave him a snipe mm-hmm. tower, um, I thought was like a, just a really cool design. So um, yeah, Inteleon definitely wins it for me. But so as far as going back though to favorite and least favorite, I mean, I I, I don't know if I have a favorite per se. Like ones that stand out to I me, really I love like Orbeetle. The Orbeetle. Orbeetle is a r- really cool, really cool UFO design. I do. Design. I really you said like you do Orbeetle. like it or you don't? Okay, yeah. Um, Dragapult is super cool. I mean, the fact that he's shooting out little mini GPs, even though that there's something wrong about that biologically, I think the, the overall concept of it I thought was really cool. Um, trying to think what else. I mean, as much as people don't like Mr. Mime, like I don't like Larian Mr. Mime. I think it's like the scariest Rhyme, thing though. I think of all Pokemon designs. But Mr. Rhyme, I mean that the first time I think I've seen, or my I guess my first appreciation of Mr. Rhyme was seeing him in Dynamax battle. Like it was in a Dynamax raid, and he's just like tapping his feet away, like just a jolly old Pokemon. I'm like, yeah, you're all right in my book. You're definitely hitting one of my top favorite Pokemon. And the more I see him, the more I'm just like, yeah, I, I need to have a Mr. Rhyme on my team. Um, I'm trying to think what else really stood out to me. Uh, oh, I do like the is it Clawpus Graplock, mm, right? Graplock is the evolution. Yes, something like that. Yeah, um, that one was really cool. Kind of weird that it's not a water type as well, but um, I'm fine with the fighting type aspect. Um, oh, Surfetched is also a really cool evolution. Uh, I really do like what they did yeah, with Cursilla, like especially the lore behind it. Um, who who doesn't like uh, uh, Weezing I, wearing the top hat? I think... Uh, I, I, I'm trying to think now if there's any of the Galarian forms I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if we're talking strictly like yeah. previous Pokemon that have new forms, yeah, They're I don't know all if there's one that so good. I dislike as well. Well, well, yeah. Mister Mime. See, I like Mister Mime his... is the one I do actually hate. It's so bizarre. Yeah, though. I, I could. I don't know. Some. It it seems more triangulated. I don't know. Like the 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 overall design well, is so nice sharp. Type. Yeah, it's just weird. I don't know. I can't. The new Darmanitan. Yeah, is great. that's still not working for me. Uh, uh, yeah, that that one's good too. Uh, oh, Rapid, Rapid Dash. Dash. Um, I even like Galarian yep. Stunfisk. That one was surprising to see because my first time ever seeing that was in the wild where yep. you stepped on the little Pokeball things, and it just ended up being that account. I was like, "Whoa, this is different." Okay, they yeah, did something think, interesting with this Pokemon. Well, I mean, I know what my favorite is. Um, trying to think if there's a least favorite my favorite's ice q um ice q both both forms or just people hate the two is forms. non his his yeah Noice. his no ice face but no ice face he's just penguins are my favorite animals and he's just they're, they're perfect ice q is perfect both no ice face and ice face um I was so disappointed that they were so late in the game. <laughs> I think my favorite of the new Galar Pokemon uh, I, is probably Cramorant. I like Cramorant. I love me some Snom. Oh, Snom. Mm, I like... I. You know, I, I get the hype behind Snom. 
I'm not on that same hype. I do like yeah. um, Frostmoth a lot. I think it's a really beautiful design, but Snom is just like, I, yeah. I pulled up the list pudgy I'm trying thing, to go so. through to see if there's any of the specifically new ones that I... I would I would say my least yeah, favorite. Yeah, I just got to Didi. I'm like, eh, probably in Didi. Like, I don't get the design behind it. Like, I don't know what it's supposed to be based off. And even if I did know, I don't know if that would even change my mind. It's just, like, a really weird, very odd Pokemon. Like, yeah, I don't even know how I would begin to describe this. For some reason, (laughs) Tim Burton comes to mind. Like, a Tim Burton design Pokemon. Stone is great. Yeah. Multigrass and Sinistee. guys is is a good one. Duraludon yeah. was great. Yeah, I I think this, they, I feel like they. I really love hit all it out of, of the abomination fossils. I was gonna say, They're, except for me, I don't like the fossil Tyrantrum, Aurorus, and then a third is a four-way tie. Actually, a three-way tie. Not a huge fan of Arctivish, but Dracozolt, Arctozolt, and Dracovish are all. Spectacular. I can't uh, I can't get into them. They're just weird. I, I rather no. we had gotten just regular fossils that we just had to go to the museum, uh, just generate me a new Pokemon, and then that's man. it. Call it he's, a day. Just, he's so confused. He's like, why am I freezing here? <laughs> Drake is all <laughs> like, I'm so back heavy, I don't understand. Drake of Vish is like, I don't what am I doing? Yeah, they're I don't I'm not a fan of their shinies or Dracovish in particular, I don't like the brown, but their design and the lore behind them of just because I like that because there's that long period not long period, but the period of like the 80s and the 90s where we had all these dinosaurs that didn't actually exist because we were just shoving bones together. And so like there is a historical mm, okay. precedent of that which again in the height of the archaeology like, um, paleontology craze like around the Jurassic Park time Jurassic Park came out there were just so many people yeah. were trying to get dinosaurs that they were just like we found bones and they're like we've found a new ultrasaur and it's like that's actually three different dinosaurs you just like shoved together um, this hip bone definitely <laughs> doesn't go with these things so I like that little nod to that era of history and the professor too she's like so excited to use this machine to get it that she doesn't like try to match it, make sure the fossils are correct. She's just like, yeah, throw them in. Per yeah, Professor Careless, which I caught that right off the, uh, right away. I don't know. I I think it took actually it took me probably a second read of that. It was like care- that's such yeah, a weird I, name. And I I'm remember like, oh, it was a I pun, but I couldn't remember Got what it. the pun was. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. Overall, I think the designs of the Galar Pokemon probably, definitely, they like mm. I said, they they knocked it out of the park on the designs. So, what about the so the other big thing behind this game was the wild area. Um, I thought the wild area was awesome. Uh, I think they've improved it in the DLC for sure, integrating you know regular routes with. Uh, the wild area, there's, you know, Pokemon roaming all over the place. Um, I think the overall layout is great. I like the weather aspect to it. Uh, I think the... Huh, I'm trying to see... I, 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 the dens, I feel like there's 
not enough dens scattered all over the place because like you get like in areas where there's clusters of dens and then you get like a whole lot of no dens and then there's like those one sore one like sticking out all the way to the other side so i don't know if that was like an intentional thing the way they designed that but i just feel like the dens could have been placed a little bit better um, but otherwise I just, I, I really do like the wild area and I, and I like, I think out of all the, the, the out of the two expansions, I think the yes. Isle of Armor did it the best. Um, again, just going route to route and just, it's a smooth transition of like, you know, you're going from route to route, but there's also dens and there's also, oh, you know, uh, wild Pokemon just roaming around and you still have your wild encounters. And I think it's like yeah, the, like the, the perfect balance too. among them. Crown Tundra does it pretty well too but not as good where um when you move into like a new biome essentially it feels like it just and i know why they did it and it doesn't like take me out of the game but it is kind of like oh i'm riding through this part of the wild area and it's like sandstorm and then magically like it's raining in the next area of the wild area yeah. and in Isle of Armor, at least the biomes feel unique enough that, like, it makes sense that, like, oh, this area would have rain when this area didn't because I went through this tunnel or there's these all these trees or whatever. Uh, but I agree with you. Like, I don't think there needed to be more dens. I think, like you said, they just needed to be placed better. Um, and I like... That you go in, the, my favorite thing about the wild area is when you go in early and it's, you're like, cool, oh cool, let me like run around and find something. And you have your like level, what are you at that point, like 12-ish, like around 10 to 12 with your Pokemon. And then you go up and it's like, here's a mm -hmm. level 19 Onyx and you're like, oh, <laughs> okay then, or then you go a little bit, you're like, let me go over here, and it's like, here's a level 30, like, something, and you're like, ah, uh, okay, so this is like, true wilderness. <laughs> I, I, I... Yeah, I think I I, yeah. I ran into like a level 60 yeah, game like, guard I liked, when I went into the wild area. I, yeah. I wish there was more of that in games, and not like, the, I, there should still be if they're going to keep, like, the route structure. I'm not against, like, this route is around this level, because obviously they want you to progress a certain way. But, like, if you go this route, and it's like, but mm -hmm. then you can go over to, like, this cave over here that's out of the way. And, like, you can... And they don't gate it behind an HM or special ability or whatever. They're just like, you can go here. And the gate is your level 20, but everything in there is level 50. And you're, so I wish there was a little more of that in games, and I think the wild area maybe will they will lead to more things like that in future games. I like I just like the aspect of you running into a wild Pokemon that's way out of your your level. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um. Well, not strict to just a wild area, but speaking of, how's I've your never mastered it, but I got pretty good. 
I don't even know what mastering Charizard. is. It's like Charizard. I don't think I ever the, got the a Charizard one, right? solo, which I think is technically possible. I, I'm sure it is. I I don't. I I just remember Copper Raja and uh, Milsery is actually, one of them. It. I think Copper Raja like the beginner one. I I. I, I'm not very good at those cooking things. Like I know they're like the poffin one we had before was like that was that was Gen four yeah. five was it the poffins where you had to like stir in the poffins. Um, I was never very good at that. So when the curry thing came in, I liked the idea. I thought it was a cool concept, but I just I could never do it well enough. Like I didn't know I was burning the food. I didn't know if I was stirring fast enough or slow enough. I I haven't looked too much into it so. I don't know if I'll ever go back and complete the curry decks because I don't know for me if that's a e- e- feasible thing. Um, yeah, I, but I think it's a cool little addition. I think it's something, I guess, extra for people that really like it. And I know there are players out there that really dig into it. But um, yeah, I don't know. What would you think curry decks was it? Was it for you? Was it you just, you uh, just kind of passed it? I like, eh, never not for me. finished it, but I didn't think like it's something I would still like to do so I I just wish like so extra things like those I just wish there was something like worth achieving for so like with poffins right that helps you with your contest right you give your Pokemon poffins and it raises certain stats um, like beauty or, or whatever and that helps you in the Pokemon contest where in this one, there's really no incentive to get it, other than I guess spoilers at this point. Like you get like golden utensils or something yeah. like that if you complete your your curry decks, which I mean I could it's that's not that big of a deal. So I I have no incentive of achieving a completed curry yeah, deck. It's, it's more of just the completionist in me that wants to do it more than wanting to like do the things, I guess. So let's talk about the overall aesthetic of Galar. So the towns, the designs of them, the overall look of the map. Um, I was a little concerned that because the map was so narrow, like it's not as, I I guess something about the vertical design of it just made me think things were going to be more strict or more limited. Um, But I think the overall design worked out well. Uh, I I liked a lot of the towns. I think my favorite one is Glimwood. Yeah, I love Glimwood, Glimwood Tangle. Tangle. Uh, just something about the overall tone and theme of it just fits really nice, and it feels more more unique than the other mm-hmm. ones. I would say. Um, I, I don't know if I could say that these towns are very memorable beyond Glimwood, though. Like you have Motostoke, you have Wedgehurst. I, I think. I'm- so um, bad at remembering um, the names of towns. Um, the two that stick out to me are, is oh, it's Balanlia. That's the one. That's with Glim- Glimwood Tangle is the forest, and then Balanlia is the oh, is like the town attached to it. Village, so, like it's all neon-y. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Balanlia and Spike Myth, I think, are my two favorite ones. Because I think, again, they those feel the most unique out of all the towns. Like, everything else, I feel like I can just look back on another game and find, like, yep, that's just like this town, or that's just like that. 
whereas opposed to Spike Muff, because it is just like an alley you go down and you have like that one street level like basketball court looking area kind of where you uh, have to battle peers like just something about that just stood out to me the most and then like i said balanlia i just like the little the, the color yeah, instead I of like it just stands out modus modus looks like the big central one right yeah i like yes the aesthetic of that one and the way the buildings looked and everything um but like it again like like you said like it didn't feel super unique like it didn't feel it felt like it could have been in any region for the most part. There were a few like unique buildings to it. But overall I I wasn't like, oh yeah, like this feels um specifically like it belongs in Galar, unlike the Glimwood Tangle and the the town for there. We don't I, I completely forgot to address this Pokemon, um, because I was looking at the uh the Rose mm-hmm. Tower and all that. We never really talked about it. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't mind the design. Uh, I, I think it definitely stands out very... Um, I mean, it is a poison mm-hmm. dragon, which I kind of would think it would be a dark dragon, but uh, I guess the poison yeah, aspect the whole, like, fits. Tainting the world kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised we don't get access to the Gigantamax form of it. Although I guess for battle purposes' sake, I get, I, I get, I think I understand yeah. why we don't. It's okay. Um, I don't think it's that exciting. I don't know if it's because of the story behind it, like the way that it's used. I think it was a little yeah. They kind of I feel built it up for it to not have as much payoff as it could. Yeah, because all you get is that you know Chairman Rose is building up this energy. It unleashes Eternatus. Eternus brings the concept yeah. of the darkest day, but I don't know. I don't feel that connection of why Eternatus is bringing the darkest day. Like I don't feel like there's much development as far as the lore behind Eternatus goes. Where like we, I feel like we get more behind like mm-hmm. Rayquaza or Giratina. Like they have more story to them. Where Eternatus is just yeah, we just needed a big you know giant legendary pokemon that feels ominous yeah i thought maybe this is what we got with the the post game which um i love sir waldo and shieldbert or however you say the sword guy's name uh source yeah i know what you're talking about with their hair i know some people think ridiculous and it is ridiculous (laughs) but also like that's why they're great yeah and so i thought yeah we were gonna get more about Eternatus with that, but we never did, and I guess it kind of makes sense because it was focusing on them and their kind of relation with the legendary dogs, but yeah, as far as legendaries go, it definitely is not not the best. Um, Design-wise, I like it. I think it feels very, uh, I mean... Alieny, which I think is kind of fitting mm-hmm. for something that would want to bring about the end of the day, and I kind of like the master hand vibe it's got going on when it's in Gigantamax. Yeah, yeah. like a super smash. Against Gigantamax, kind of it feels yeah. a lot like master hand, and I liked how that just how it looked because of that. 
but I don't know. Like, I feel like it was such a small, like, even though it was about building up the power for the darkest day with it, I feel like it was such a small part of the story that it's lack of development didn't really matter. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Okay. So then let's talk about the, uh, the DLC that we got, because this is the first time that Game Freak has decided to do DLC instead of doing like an Ultra Sword or Ultra Shield type of game. Like this was something, and they've been quoted in the past that they are never uh-huh. going to do DLC. And lo and behold, they they turn their back on that word and go, "Here we go. Here's here's a thirty dollar DLC," which I think was presented just fine because I don't think a lot of people just like like looked into it deeper because the $30 price, the $30 price tag and you, you say DLC and there's parts one and parts two and you say $30 people in their mind just go $30 for yeah. each DLC. That's crazy. But then you, when you what after the actual announcement was over, it's like, no, 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 it's $30. Mm-hmm. You get both DLC parts. So it's really $15 per, per pack, which I think is a, is a decent, uh, you know, price point for them. Um, I think the DLCs were done great. I like that each one had a, a theme or a focus to it. Um, I think they brought more, uh, I guess, quality of life stuff for, especially for the, mm-hmm. the competitive scene. Um, Cause I know Isle of Armor, that's, that, that's what's its main focus. You could build up the dojo to make sure that you get resources for um, building competitive teams. And then the, the crown tundra was more the exploration part where if you wanted to see pokemon then you get to see pokemon you get to capture more in the wild you get legendary pokemon so i like that they had their own respective um central focus to them uh i i think this is the way they should go like nothing against having a third game although but i am like in the same boat with some of those players where i worked so hard on this one i did all of this stuff and now I have to restart everything from scratch and kind of build that back up again. I'd rather just have all my stuff and just, you know, give me some new additions to what I've already built. Um, so I like that they did DLC. Agreed. I, I feel the same way. Um, I think that... I, I, I think definitely going forward, it should be... Uh, DLC to expand the game and expand the story and instead of getting this like I guess you would call it like director's cut of of a game yeah um and so it just yeah I I like I loved them like I I I think Crown Tun or I Love Armor was overall done better, but I enjoyed yeah, Crown Tundra more because I'm less. I like competitive, but I am not as I'm not really a competitive player, and so mm-hmm. the just doing like the stuff that was in uh the the crown tundra was more fun for me overall and more enjoyable i liked urshifu a lot which was the legendary that you get in i do i really like urshifu and i like the two styles 
and everything with that comes along with that. Uh, water. Which side did you pick? Yeah, <laughs> I, that's what I figured too. Yeah, I went for the water one first. Um, I'm not a fan of oh, Kylie yeah? Rex. And the sword, the the horses, the the gastrier, and uh, mm-hmm. what's the other one? Spectrier. I'm they're I don't know. They don't do anything for me. Like I, there's a lot of hype around them. I think competitive wise, I think that's the main talk behind those Pokemon. But other than that, like the whole big brain jackrabbit design just is super weird to me. And then the horse designs, I feel like they could have been done better. They just feel very. I don't know, too simplistic. I, I think, in, in my opinion, that's just how I feel about those. I can see that. But the Galar oh, birds, the Galarian I really forms loved. for the birds were. I, I wish they did Galarian forms for like every legendary with how well they were designed. <laughs> yeah, the, they definitely won me over for with those three. Um, I think I would. I'm going to say Articuno is just my favorite one out of the three. Uh, like. I get, the, I get the the reason, like the 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 bandwagon Chocobo. of Zapdos, the the Chocobo, yeah. That I get it. I didn't grow up playing Final Fantasy or anything yeah. that has Chocobo in it, so I was like, eh, I don't like. Sure, that's your thing. Um, Moltres, I think, is just too too dark in a way where it's like the the black color just overemphasizes it too much, and there's not enough of the fiery aspect of it. Um, that's why I just think I think Articuno is the the coolest I one of the three for me Moltres. at least. I um, I am at heart in a lot of ways an Edge Lord. I never like dressed like an Edge Lord or really got into it, but I've I've always mm-hmm. like my favorite color is black, and most of my t shirts are black, and I really like a good black color pairing. So the um the aesthetic of Moltres really speaks to me, but I like them all. Like if someone was like, Oh, you have to pick a favorite. I'm picking Moltres just because I have to. But again, I think they're all like spectacular designs. If you have, if you haven't seen it yet, you should look up the TCG card for Moltres. Cause that is actually a really cool design. Um, but okay, so what, I, was your, what were your thoughts I on Kylie Rex? I think is I think he's funny. Like I like the story with Calyrex a lot. I don't the design. I guess I'm neutral towards. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. Um, I could definitely okay. see why people don't like it. Um, it just to me is a pretty like neutral thing. Like I'm like, oh, I don't think it's terrible, but I don't think it's like the best thing ever either. So, um, and the I, horses, what did you think of the horses and which one did you pick? Last year first, um, in my next one, I'm going to pick Spectre. Yep, same here. Uh, just because I feel like, I feel like ice in general doesn't get a, a lot of love, um, as a, as a typing. True. Yeah. And so I was really, I was Want to do that, and then I just again, even though I'm the Edge Lord, I just think the Spectreer looked better, or that's that Spectreer Glacier looked better than Spectreer just overall. Like, I don't know, mm-hmm. and I'm in the Tundra, of course, I want the Ice Horse, true. 
so out of curiosity, I'm like cu- I'm wondering since we got DLC here and we both agree that it's done well and that this is the way they should go moving forward. And I don't know what's going to happen with Pokemon games after Arceus because I don't know what the the main series is going to look like anymore. Um, I feel like Sword and Shield was a was a first step into mm-hmm. what Arceus is going to be. Wh- what would happen? Or how do you think you would feel if they went back to doing a whole new version? Like, you know, they don't do DLC, but they do that that third version or whatever new director's uh, cut will be. I think if they do it like they did, if they lean more towards like how short Sword and Shield, not Sword and Shield, uh, Sun and Moon went, Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon, and it felt like a different enough story because i think that's the thing is it doesn't Mm -hmm. every other game it's like oh okay these are tweaks that should have been there from the beginning i guess you feel like with um right like crystal and emerald and all those i feel like again those are like oh this is how it should have been the whole time but i don't think i can see Mm -hmm. sun and moon being like okay like the studio or, you know, it feels like it's like we wanted to tell the story and then they're like, okay, maybe we didn't tell it the best way we could. How do we improve it? Or how do we tell the story we want to tell? And I feel like that's again, what they accomplished with sword and um, with ultra sun and ultra moon. And I think that's, like, that's what I want to see if you're going to give me a, th- a third game. Like, don't give me just the other, the new game with, like, slightly faster, you know, in the case of, like, Platinum. Like, slightly faster swimming and more Pokemon. Like, give me, uh, mm. like, alternate universe or director's cut or, you know, script 2.0 of the story. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely... I I I I'm very doubtful that they'll go back to it, but again, they they went back and yeah. went on DLC, so who knows what's going to happen here? And if this was their their first trial run on it, I I think they like it, I'm going to sound like a broken record, yeah. but I think they knocked it out of the park again with DLC. Um, I think each one was worth its fifteen dollar I... price point. Um, and this is it was just nice that they comboed it together for that yeah. thirty dollar mark. Yeah, so, if they definitely had done yeah thirty or. For whatever reason, I guess it's just more of like my monkey brain. If they had been like, you have to buy them each individual fifteen fifteen, I would have been more like, well, that's annoying. But for whatever reason, because they were like, yeah, you buy thirty dollars, you get both over time. I'm like, oh, cool. Maybe just because I've been like bitten or you know uh, tainted by like season passes of other games. And mm, so that, makes sense. that yeah. is just, yeah, uh, has gotten me to be like, eh, about things like that, where it's like, oh, well, here's the DLC, and then here's the DLC again, and I don't know. So I, I like the way it was done. I like, and I like that it was spread out. I think that's the thing more for me is I paid thirty dollars, and I feel like they were like, okay. You get your $30, but also, like, you get it worth, but, like, it's not, 
they're almost forcing you to take time to do it, like enjoy it, do the Isle of Armor right. stuff before you go to Crown Tundra. I will say that for future uh, purposes, that I would have liked to have like a new Pokemon per DLC. It doesn't even have to be like a whole new slate of yeah. Pokemon. Like even one, just one new Pokemon to be like this is well. Mm, that kind of I just kind of counter myself because technically yeah, they gave you Urshifu of Isle of Armor, and then in Count Tundra they gave you Calyrex, and I guess the the horses. But I guess I just want something, yeah, uh, what's like a non-legendary, just something more basic, like uh, I don't know, a Galarian Krabby or something, like a new I maybe a new form new of, a, of a previous Pokemon. Good, I think like, you don't have to give me brand new Pokemon. It's just you know, we got Galarian Slowpoke and Slowking for Isle of Armor. Like, how is that the only one that you have? Like, right. why did you have more? Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully something. I don't know. I'm pretty sure yeah. Game Freak has got multiple plans, and they're, they're, they're always trial and run errors. So... so it does sound like we're in agreement yes. here that Sword and Shield are great games. And uh, probably some of the best Pokemon games out there. And so it being the third best-selling game obviously proves that it's it holds its own value. It's a it's a game that people will look back and remember, regardless of what people remember it by. Whether it's the tree that with the the low res graphics or the national decks or the fact that people actually loved yeah. the wild area and loved the Galar Pokemon. Uh, this. Sword and Shield has, I think, has definitely made its mark, and I think it was a good start to the main series game of Nintendo Switch games. I mean, I know we had Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, and they're not necessarily spinoffs, because they've been titled that they are main series games, but I think as far as introducing a new region and new Pokemon, um, they outdid themselves with Sword and Shield. For the first new generation to be on the Switch, I think is probably the best way to say it. Um, I don't... It would. I would... Like, sure, everyone will have their critiques on how they could have done it better, but given what Pokemon games are and how they've been, I don't... I could, don't think I could have asked for a better first Switch um, generation. Before we end this, though, we never talked about it but how do you feel about I think Gigantamax all the Gen 1 Gigantamaxes are great. Yeah. I mean, Venusaur with its Beatles haircut. I just thought the, the Blastoise one was super cool. Like, I was uh, hoping, like, the fact that Charizard was on the list of the original Pokedex, and, like, I wasn't sure if we were going to get Blastoise and Venusaur. And then when they introduced it, I was like, thank God that they're bringing them back. And then I was kind of worried about their Gigantamax forms. Yeah. And then after I saw them, I was like, yeah, they definitely did it right. I mean, how else would you do Blast Toys other than just add more cannons onto him? That's what they did for the Megas, and I can't think of anything else they would yeah, do no, for any other forms that they would try to do with Blast Toys. It's they did they did Blast Toys right, and it made to me it made sense that they didn't introduce them all for because Charizard being so integral to Leon. Um, I don't you know they wouldn't want like you to be able to get a Gigantamax of something else. So for Leon to kind of have the spotlight of mm. like his whole stance is Charizard. So for like the non DLC, yeah, right. and it's also it was a good way to introduce 
the max soup and being able to add make your Pokemon Gigantamax be like, hey, you want to do True. it? Here are your starters and the other two Kanto starters. Like I, I think that's kind of the best the best way to introduce them is to here they are and this is how you're gonna get Gigantamax versions of Pokemon that maybe you didn't catch as Gigantamax initially. Good job, I Game Freak. I know you're listening. Alright, well that's it for <laughs> All right, that's it for this episode. Um, as I already mentioned, yeah. next month Austin will be back, and we'll talk about the Ultra Sun and Ultra like- Moon. I'm assuming we're going to do the. I, I'm assuming we do the Ultras, I, right? Yeah. That's like the definitive. I think the Ultras version, are maybe are better. Uh, I'm going to play through Ultra okay. Sun. I'm going to try to play through as much of it as I can. Um, I also I tra- did Moon, I, I so we can off do Sun Ultra together Moon. and see how that goes. <laughs> okay. Sounds good then. Um, so that'll be next month, probably towards the end of the month is probably when I'll keep these episodes just to keep in line with the Pokemon 25th anniversary celebration rollout. Um, and then, yeah, we'll just continue on through in the Pokemon journeys, which is kind of exciting because I do like going back to some of the earlier generations and going, like, man, we yeah, played I'm, with this. I'm not, oh, I HMs can't say I'm excited to keep, look back on the HMs. But it, it'd be nice to see how far yeah. we've come along from Pokemon games. So, It'll, it'll, it. I feel like this will definitely put those games to the test of time. It's like, you know, if if Gen One is definitely your favorite Pokemon game, does the original Classic Red and Blue still hold up? You know, its value to to this day. And same thing with like maybe Ruby and Sapphire. I, I do have some things white, to say like, about Gen One because I, I have be recently, played, but I'll save that for October. All right. Well, that'll be it for this, oh, Austin. If um, people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Twitch.tv slash Squirtle Squad 47. Um, S-Q-A-D. Uh, no you and squad. And same on Twitter. Uh, yeah, but I don't on Instagram post enough on Instagram to say follow me on there. I also don't know what my handle is on Instagram to say follow <laughs> okay, me on there. So. Is it? <laughs> well, there it is. It's the same I thing. I can't even remember the last time I posted anything yeah. on Instagram. <laughs> You are. I guess I am now. Your uh, social the checks manager. in the mail. <laughs> if you, <laughs> if any of you want to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram and on YouTube at SpartanStrike07. Twitch will become a thing soon enough, um, which it's still SpartanStrike07. Uh, so if you want to just get a jump start on that, you can go ahead and follow me there. Although I'm going to say most of my gameplay is probably going to be Halo because I am going to start having to expedite my grind to rank 152 <laughs> before infinite comes out uh so uh, that'll be my journey on twitch uh, for quite a while um but yeah the, and that's pretty much it so austin thank you for coming on this episode and talking sword and shield with me i appreciate it and uh yeah that'll be that's the end of this episode so thank you listeners um if you want to just you know reach out to us and comment us disagree or agree Go ahead and do so, just respectfully, please, uh, you know, despite what we think about the national decks and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, uh, we'll, I guess we'll just end it there. Stay safe, this episode. stay smart, gotta catch them all. Mm-hmm.